shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Jenny Allen is a Bible teacher, author, and the founder and visionary of If Gathering. Her work includes Untangle Your Emotions, Get Out of Your Head, and Find Your People. She's also the host of the Made for This podcast. Jenny has a master's in biblical studies from Dallas Theological Seminary and lives in Dallas, Texas with her husband, Zach, and their four children. We are so excited for you all to hear this really honest, vulnerable, compassionate, empathetic conversation about parenting. And here's my favorite thing she said. When she said to her kids, you're going to struggle every day, and we just want to struggle with you. It's beautiful. We cannot wait for you to listen. Jenny, we are so excited to finally be having this conversation with you. Feels like we've kind of moved in parallel universes for a lot of years and just not really gotten to intersect much. Well, I'm so glad we finally are because I feel the exact same way. I'm such fans of both of yours, and I'm so grateful to be here. Well, you too. And you are joining, we should have our own kind of Razorback Hall of Fame, I have to say. Sorry, David's not involved in this. But you, Ben and Hillary Rector, Shay and Hannah Mooney. We've had some awesome people who, I don't know that we ever actually called the hogs, but we've talked about it a lot. But I know we were there. I think we might lose some people, right? (laughs) If we actually do it. But because we are rather obnoxious fans. Um, (laughs) We are. But yeah, I am a deep Razorback raised in Arkansas and went to the University of Arkansas and was a cheerleader. So I can call those hogs better than, I mean, I'm not like a professional. Okay. I've got that down. (laughs) Well, we missed each other growing up in Little Rock and then going to Fayetteville. Yes. I did not know that you were a cheerleader. My grandmother was a cheerleader there. Wow. Did she ever go back for the homecoming? 
I put think on a she uniform. used to back in the day, but I feel like I, I, I told somebody, I was like, when I'm really old, where it's cute, you know, I'm like, the really in between oops. isn't so cute. They Did, put on the uniforms yes. for homecoming and they are down there cheering. <laughs> and some of my friends do it every year. And I'm like, absolutely not midlife. Nobody wants to see that. But the grandmothers, like the really like gray hair, that, oh, that warms your heart. So does. I'll do it then. Yes. Doing their little. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. I can't wait. You're going to have to let me know when you do that. And I'll come to that yep. game for sure. <laughs> well, if you two decide you do end up needing to call the hogs, I'm just going to step back and I'll hum Rocky Top to myself back here in the <laughs> corner. I, you I, all go I, right ahead. We're not doing it for that reason right now. <laughs> there are no fans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, David. I know this is being recorded in the great state of Tennessee. And there are many t- Tennesseans I love. But the your fans made me cry. <laughs> like really? literally, we lost a game. I'm walking out. My boyfriend went to a school nearby and they are, and we've lost, it was that game. I don't know if y'all remember, but it was that game where we lose in the last second. Like it was mm. a huge, huge win for y'all. And we're, I'm walking off and I'm crying because I'm leaving my, my boyfriend that I never get to see and barely got to see. And the Fans, the UT fans start yelling, cry, cheerleader, cry. No. <laughs> no, they did not. They did. So I have a little bone to pick with Rocky Top. Oh, I, but Jenny. all that to say, I I'm, I like you. And Thank I like you. Nashville. I want to redeem that for you. And I like all my for friends from Tennessee. But they, I don't really want to go back to that stadium. I get why you wouldn't. Well, they're ruthless. <laughs> and I apologize on behalf of those Vols. But I'm thankful I could redeem the experience you, for you. You're redeeming it right well, now. Well, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this on our podcast. But my one Vol experience, I went to an Arkansas UT game there. And we lost. And I was in the car and had the window down. And someone walked by. And I think he was really trying to talk trash to me. And he goes... And I had a Razorback on my car, and he goes, Alabama sucks. <laughs> I was like, you didn't even get it right. <laughs> I'm just going to be angry no matter what. <laughs> so yes, great. So well, as, we're a little teamed up on. I'm sorry. As we're walking down memory lane, that's where we want to begin the conversation. Yes. Let's just that's a good Jenny, segue. Let's Way to start go. <laughs> by tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us a little bit about your work. Yeah, so I lead an organization called If Gathering, and we are we create experiences for people to encounter God. And I just feel like when I met God, I Jesus specifically, I was so madly in love with Him and what He had done for me. It changed me, and I could not stop talking about Him. And I feel like that's all I do today. Like that's just that's still where I find myself um, all these years later. And so my work is getting to do that in lots of formats. And I don't really care the format to me. They're all, um, just chances for me to talk about Jesus and what he's done and, and to help people. You know, I know y'all get this, that the thing is there are times that I get weary or I think, I don't know if I really want to share that vulnerable thing, or I don't know if I want to write about this. And, and what I've seen over and over again is people are just so grateful and they really feel seen when, when I do the work of sharing my journey. And I see my life very much as Christian in Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he, he meets Jesus early on and then he keeps falling in pits and getting locked in castles and getting stuck in, you know, addicted to things and, uh, you know, all the, the, the Vanity Fair, all the, the fun and, I'm I'm Christian. I, I'm walking through and I'm doing the best I can, but I keep, you know, doing it imperfectly. And I think 
that's really what I've been called to do is just do that in front of people. And that's never easy, but I do feel like it's very worth it. I love how you said that. Aren't we all? It feels like we're right there with you on that journey. Yeah. Well, speaking of if, if gathering, you have created this beautiful community. And I feel like just it feels like your heart for Jesus and your heart for community and how we come to him alongside sure. each other just um, have changed so many lives. And we'd love mm-hmm. for you to talk a little bit about that. Even it, I mean, we have we could talk all day about all of your books because there's so many amazing ones. But Find Your People is kind of tied into the idea of yeah. community. But we talk more about if, if Gathering and how people can learn yeah, about so it. Yeah, so when I, you know, before I ever wrote books or created an organization, I remember one night, I just had turned 30, and I felt like, I woke up that night, and I felt like God said, disciple a generation. And I know, you know, did he say it audibly? I know everybody has questions about that. No, he didn't. But it, the phrase had never, ever would have occurred to me or did occur to me. And I just remember feeling it in my bones. And that bothered me and troubled me because I didn't even have a blog at the time. Like, I didn't have any platform. I was raising three young kids. I was like, what do you want me to do with that? (laughs) And truly, I had good friends that night. We were celebrating my birthday and I just told them and I was crying, I remember. And they said, listen, Jenny, if that was from God, he will accomplish it. Like you just, and I love that answer. I was like, okay, not worrying about that. But fast forward years later, I'm writing Bible studies in my church, which I'd done since I was 17, by the way. So it was wow. nothing new. I, but I'm writing them, and now they're getting picked up by other churches, and they're I'm mailing them and printing them. And and all of a sudden, I'm in publishing, and all these things are happening, and I'm going, oh, gosh. And I still basically don't have a platform. I had like 12 readers of my blog, and um, you know, there was no reason that they should be doing this for me. But I remembered those words. I was like, Lord, I believe this is you. But I even knew right then, like as I was getting offered like unbelievable opportunities to speak at Women of Faith, to which was a huge conference years ago, and to write books with the biggest Christian publisher, as all of that was happening, even though it was very undeserved, truly, like I'm not being humble. It was like people in the industry would be like, yeah, she was a nobody. Like, I do not know how she got all of this. But as it's happening, I knew what it was for. And I even knew then that it would never be about me or me alone. It would be the greatest group effort. You can't disciple a generation by yourself. And so that phrase like haunted me. And I just always knew it would be something way bigger than my publishing career or my writing um, my, or my speaking. It would be something done in community to reach the world. And what's wild is you know, in just a few days, we will have if gathering. It will be um, in, in February 23rd and 24th. On February 24th, we'll announce something together that we're going to do that's even a greater group project than if gathering has been. But what I call if gathering is the greatest group project ever. And this new thing that we're announcing is even a greater group project that will take the entire globe and all of the church to accomplish. But what I, you know, what's funny is I still go back to that phrase. Like as God keeps opening the door to the next thing, I'm like, he's just accomplishing his plan. But he never meant to accomplish his plans through one person. Like he's always working through people and mm. groups of people. I mean, you see that with Aaron and Moses. Like there's, there, everybody, everybody's functioning in communities and he's working through them together. And so if it's just been the best picture of that in my real life. And we have so much fun together. We're real life friends. And it's, I don't know, I can't believe we get to do it. It's, it's been an adventure 10 years this year. Wow. 
I sure remember when it just, I feel like it took the world by storm and hearing the most amazing things about the community and the warmth and um, the worship. I mean, all of it and the, and the beauty just that you created this thing where you were invited into something beautiful in the midst of really rich teaching and Mm. just so grateful for you doing that. You were discipling a generation, certainly. It's been a really fun ride. Mm. Thank you for all the ways you've been faithful Mm -hmm. to those words. And thinking about your writing, Jenny, and get out of your head, we love the statement, we are in charge of our thoughts. They are not in charge of us. We could not agree more. Talk with kids and adolescents about that all the time. Will you give us a specific game changer in terms of our anxious thoughts? Absolutely. So that book was so pivotal for me personally. I walked through a season of doubt and really, I mean, it was pretty intense and dramatic that every single night I was, I was questioning my faith and and then when I shared it out loud, speaking of community, when I shared it out loud, it immediately became clear to me that this was attack and this was a lie. And so as soon as I got it into the light, there were now people to fight with me. I remember specifically two good friends that said, we're going to fast and pray for you. Like, we're going we're gonna to fight for you. And that felt so hard to receive, but they did. And what I learned in that season of my life, which so much of our writing, I'm sure y'all are the same way, is like, what are what am I learning today? What is what is the thing that I've been growing in most recently? And when I wrote that book, I was growing in our spiritual authority that God really has given us so much authority that we are not believing and we are not accessing. And so we let the darkness take us down and we'll do that for 18 months, which is how long I was in that season of attack. And I let I let myself fall there. And what that led to was apathy, um, weakness in my work and my ministry, um, a lot of numbness being checked out. So when that changed, it was all of a sudden like, I'm going to go on the offense. Like, I'm not going to just let myself fall into that again. And, And it just was so different. It was such a different way to live. And so I would say my greatest piece of advice with specifically our thought lives is to notice your thoughts, to to not accept them as truth, which means you have to let someone in to help you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so sharing what you're thinking about, whatever, however dark it is, uh, my church and I use the phrase the last 2%, whatever the last 2% that you don't want to share is, that's probably where the bondage is coming from. So you say that last 2%, that thought that you're like, I would never say that out loud. That's what you say out loud. And as you say that out loud, you get set free. I've heard it over and over again. I speak a lot to Gen Z. And when I do, I'm up there speaking to them and I'm often asking them to confess, sin to confess, struggle to confess something. And they do it. It's really one of my reasons I love them and spend so much time with them. And, and they do it. And when they do it, they, they, I will hear stories years later that says that was the moment everything began to change. And I know what they mean because that's the moment it began to change for me too, is when I let friends into it. So I think just being candid and, and to say out loud what you're, what you're thinking is so important. Sissy, you just got back from the lake, didn't you? Yes, I was there with Kathleen and Aaron, 
the boys, and some of my dearest college friends. I love that you all got to be together. That lake house has been the place for so many amazing gatherings and so many memories. I'm so thankful you have it. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Legacy is something one of our sponsors thinks a lot about. I'm talking about trust and will. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $159. The website is so simple to use. The process is straightforward and user-friendly. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Trust and Will has made estate planning accessible and affordable. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. Live customer support is available through phone, chat, and email. Get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will, used by hundreds of thousands of families and counties. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash rbg. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash rbg. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater child care needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg.
David, did you get your taxes finished? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where did you get them? Thrive Market. Uh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. (laughs) From pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG thrivemarket.com slash rbg we, there are so many things that you have said that we love that resonate with what we're talking about all the time in counseling that, and your right? new book we are thrilled about untangle your emotions <laughs> because that is exactly how we spend all, all of our days yep. untangling emotions with kids and families. And we love the subtitle about naming what you feel and knowing what to do about it. And sure, I think that's crucial to emotional health. Will you talk more about this book, why you wrote it, what you hope people gain from it? Well, I'll be so curious what you think. I'm going to turn this back on you. It's so (laughs) humbling to be interviewed by people that are doing this for a living because I am a self-proclaimed lay person when it comes to all of this. Like I, I did get my master's, but I got it in theology. So I've got the Bible, you know, part, but when it comes to all of this that I've found myself in, in the last few years, it's like, I'm looking to y'all, I'm reading y'all, I'm, I'm making sure and checking. Uh, so I just want to honor you guys that, that you, you actually know what you're talking about. So I'm going (laughs) to turn on you a little, but but I would say I learned a lot and, and research can take you so far. And it, and it did. I mean, I, I was so moved. And I think what I've found in these journeys through get out of your head and specifically untangle your emotions is the science really does complement the Bible beautifully. That yes. when the Bible says mourn with those who mourn, there's something neurologically healing in your brain when someone is sad with you. Well, if you look at who wrote who I was when I wrote get out of your head. 
So in that moment, that girl, right, she was fighting thoughts that were were scary, but they weren't necessarily consuming her emotions. And I loved writing that book because that book made sense to me. That book was a can do. Like, okay, we 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 replace um cynicism with gratitude. It was a it was a practical, you could do it. When I approached emotions, I was like, oh no. <laughs> this is totally different. Um, this is the Wild West. And I I appreciated all that was written because it did help me understand it. But what I wanted to do with this book was, as a layperson, was to help the person that feels like me, that feels like I want to be healthy emotionally. And I think I am, but I don't know. And I don't know that I'm great at feeling sad. I don't know if I'm great at feeling someone else's sadness. I don't know. And I wanted to to write that book for wherever you are on the spectrum, but if you if you didn't know what to do. And so I really approached the book with what do we do with these feelings? And so, which is I know probably unhealthy. Like you're probably diagnosing me right now. Like <laughs> no. I am a fixer. No. I am a fixer. I know. I am a fixer and I want to fix things. And so that has been my my last two years of realizing that there are things you can't just change because you're grateful. Like there are feelings you're going to feel even if your thoughts are in a healthy place where you're managing them. And that's what I wanted to explore because that's what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. And so I was walking through a season where work is specifically had to do with my work. I just felt so much pressure and I really lost joy in it. And I should have felt joyful because it was things that I was made to do and I loved doing and I was doing really well. And so why was I not experiencing pleasure in my work? And that bothered me. And what I had become really was numb and apathetic. And as you know, this is not the kind of work you can do numb and apathetic for long. And so as I looked into that more, I was invited into a small group with other people that were leaders. And together we worked with Kurt, Dr. Kurt Thompson. I know y'all know him. And he, um, led us through just this whole process of feeling our emotions, which I always crossed my arms about, pouted about. My friends were like, oh, we know, Jenny, you don't believe in this. I mean, <laughs> I was resistant. And it it was pretty transformative because as I shared what I was feeling and got really honest and shared that last 2% of my emotional life, and anger that I had at God and disappointment that he it felt like there were times that he had abandoned me in the middle of me trying to serve him. And I, I was honest about all that. They responded with how I would have responded, which was, I think God isn't like that. I think you shouldn't feel that way. And so now my get out of your head brain is like, right? I know I shouldn't think that. I know that's wrong. I know God is faithful. I know God doesn't abandon. I know theologically. I know. But man, I'm ticked at y'all. Because that just felt like I felt completely misunderstood. I felt like y'all are, are, I'm the bad guy. Like I just, that was so hard for me to share. And now I feel judged and I feel like you don't get it. So I'm just thinking all these things as they're sharing all this. And they're doing what I would have done. But Dr. Thompson 
says, hey, everybody, I just want to pause for a minute. And I want to hear Jenny. Jenny, what are you feeling? And of course, I just, I just told him, which was a choice and scary and vulnerable again. And it was so beautiful because he said, listen, we're going to stop saying, I think, and we're going to start saying, I feel. And so they began to say, I feel sad that you felt misunderstood. I feel proud of you that you've been faithful, even though you felt this way. And all of a sudden, my heart changed. And Mm -hmm. I was close to them. I felt a connection even to my own heart in that. I felt a connection to God. I felt safe and seen by God in that. I I felt like I could... um, risk doing that again in the future. And then over the course of the next few months of working through this, and I would say the next year and a half, I, I I literally came to call it as magic because it didn't make sense to me why sharing such vulnerable struggles and, and emotions with people and them feeling and not telling me perspective or thoughts, but but feeling, it didn't make sense to me why it was changing my life. It didn't, because it didn't fit the paradigm of the Bible teacher that I was that thought the right answer is blank. And if you know mm-hmm. the right answer, then you're not going to feel sad because you're going to know God is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And it just changed me. And I I know, you know, and then when I go into the research and I go into the Bible and you see this compassionate God who, you know, the favorite is Jesus weeping with Mary. After he tells everybody, I'm going to heal Lazarus, he comes in the room and stops and cries with his friend when he knows he's about to fix the problem. He knows he's got the answer to the problem. He's about to fix it, but he still stops and cries with Mary. And it says out of his compassion for Mary, that his heart was moved toward Mary. So we have, we have misunderstood something about emotions. We have, we have demonized them. We have believed they are sinful. We have believed they are not helpful. Um, whatever it is for you, but we, or we believe they're God and they're everything and we follow them, you know? So we've got both extremes, but I think there is a way and God built it as you all know very well. And it's transformative. And I, you know, again, it's God's magic. So I I use the term, not like sorcery, but it really is. That's the only word for it. When you do it and you feel understood and the next time something that used to trigger you and make you feel anxious, doesn't make you anxious anymore. It's like magic. It's it's like what just happened, but it's Bible. It's mourn with those who mourn. It's it's Jesus wept. It's it's we're not alone and our brains aren't alone, and that is how we heal. Mm. Love that. Well, and Jenny would love to ask you too, thinking about that through the lens of parenting, like how do you believe parents can help kids untangle their emotions? Oh, it's my favorite topic right now because I did this so poorly. And I mean, my kids and I are having these conversations. We're paying for their therapy now. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting to just have dinners over like what we did right and what we did wrong and what was hard for them. And they, you know, they're not mean about it. They're actually incredibly respectful and lovely, but they do bring to us, like it really hurt my feelings when you used to say this. And, and so I just say what I'm about to say from a really humble place of that fix it girl was a fix it parent. And I wanted to rescue my kids from pain. I wanted to fix it with circumstances. But as I've learned, like 99% of the problem we're experiencing is not the circumstance. It's what we feel about the circumstance. And so when I would try to fix the 1%, I was ignoring the 99. And so 
I've learned from, you know, even recently to have better conversations with my kids. I, I think about my son who came home in the middle of me writing this book, which was super hard for me to write because, because I'm not good at this. Sometimes I'm writing out of strength and sometimes I'm writing out of weakness. And this one was definitely out of weakness. And so my son comes home and he's, um, he, he comes in and he's, he's all flustered and sad because he asked a girl to homecoming and she said no. And I mean, everything in me rages. I'm like, oh, we are going to fix this problem. <laughs> I'm going to find you another girl. I'll call her mom. We're going to get you the best looking suit. Like, I'm going to freaking teach you to drive between now and then. Like, you're going to be the, you're going to be the greatest homecoming date ever. That is the fix it part of me. But the feel it part of me, because I was growing in that and I'm, I'm learning that I stopped and I was sad with him and I just was with him. And I was like, that really hurts. I was like, I, I can imagine what that feels like. Of course you're sad, buddy. Oh, I, I don't even know why. And y'all could probably diagnose this. I don't even know why that is so hard for me. Like, why is it so hard? I, I don't know if I've just demonized it for so long that it's not helpful. Why would it be helpful? Or if I'm not comfortable in it, I think it's all of it, but it is. It's it literally I have to force the words out because I want to fix the problem so badly. But my kids feel safe with me when I feel instead of think. They feel they come to me. They regulate like what they were feeling. They end up like within a few minutes feeling differently. That same kid now when he gets anxious at school, calls me from the bathroom, which he's not supposed to do because they don't have phones in their school, but he'll hide in the bathroom and he'll call me crying and he'll, he'll cry with me from the bathroom. And when, when he's been asked why, like, is there another way? Could we do this differently? You're not supposed to have your phone. He said, cause my mom makes me feel better. And I don't think my other kids like grew up saying that my mom made me feel better, which is a grief. But I think it's also part of my pilgrim's progress, right? I'm, I'm progressing and it was, I did the best I could with what I had then and I'm doing the best I can with what I have now. Mm. But I wish I could go back and take that part of me that has grown to be emotionally kind and sensitive and compassionate to my kids instead of trying to fix them. I wish I could do more of that. Yeah. You know, a long time ago, we... In, in research in some book, we took group kids over the course of months and asked them these questions about their parents. And and definitely the number one complaint from kids was when their parents try to fix it. And wow. at the same time, as wow. you're talking and you're being funny about us diagnosing you, but and I think every parent who's listening can relate to exactly yeah. what you're saying of how badly you want to do that. And Jenny, I, I mean— the only thing, and I know I'm speaking for David too, the only thing we would both say is that the reason you try to do that is because you love your kids so much. Yeah. Right. And you're a great parent and you want yeah. good things for them. And so, of That's course, good. you would step in and want to do that. And I think the flip side of that is why they can sit with you feeling safe in how you're engaging with them emotionally now yeah. and know that that was your heart all along. That's why they can sure. say respectfully, hey, this is something maybe you That's missed, right. is because even in the midst of tripping up and fixing up, they still knew how much you loved them over the years. Yeah. And so thank you. I think that's true. I appreciate you saying that. And I, yeah, I hope, I hope that helps people listening too, because 
this conversation can bring, it brings up two things. I think it brings up the way we were raised, well, mm-hmm. where we learned how to deal with emotions. And Which is, we always how, joke that we weren't passing feeling starts around our dinner tables when we were growing up. As either, right? No, I yeah. got very non-emotional home. Yes. And then it brings up all the ways we're, you know, we've, we've needed ourselves, but also like how we've parented or how we've been a friend or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, in this season of our Raising Boys and Girls podcast, we're talking about the ages and stages of development. Yeah. And if you had to say what your favorite stage has been along the way, Mm. what would you say? You know, I absolutely, I know this doesn't count because it's not an age and stage within childhood, but it's my adult kids. I feel Mm. like we are experiencing the fruit of, of raising these kids and it really is the greatest reward. And I know we may not be able to say that about all of our kids. We've still got two that are launching, but the two that have launched, it just is my favorite stage. And I say that because I, I regret fearing the future so much. I think I feared um, losing them. I feared uh, them graduating high school. I feared them not coming home on a Mother's Day or then that was going to be how it was. And I, I wish I could go back to that part of myself and just say, you know, you're going to be close to them and and it's going to be great. And I think that would have put me at ease a little more as they were going through all the seasons. But I, I talked to so many people with toddlers and they're just like, I just, I just fear already, you know, them going away and like going to college and how have you done that? And I was that girl. Like I always feared the future. And I just think the future is really good. Now I'm not saying it's good all the time or it's perfect. We've had mental health issues. We, we've got all kinds of things that are hard. But we are close and we are committed to each other as a family. And yet their autonomy is really beautiful and rewarding to watch as a parent. And I feared that autonomy as it was growing in them. I feared as they got more independent that that meant they didn't need me. And that was true. But the beauty that you don't, the trade is you get to watch these humans launch. It's like the greatest movies you've ever seen, right? It's like you're watching their lives, their choices, good and bad, and you're just in awe. And so the autonomy has actually made this now thing that I used to want to control and needed to at times, right? Toddlers. (laughs) But now I'm watching it and celebrating and grieving and proud, so freaking proud. Mm. And they surprise you. And it just, I, I can't, I just can't tell you how rewarding it is. I know that's probably not one of your seasons because that's. No, it there, is. Is it? Yes. And David's in that stage right now. Too. I absolutely am. And I couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun to watch them becoming their own people and the celebration. And I love the way you spoke to that because I think we can spend so much of that time thinking, oh, once they're married, I'll have to share holidays, and then they won't be home at these times. And and the reality, there's so much beauty in that yeah. stretch of development. I love the way you spoke yeah. to that. And I think the reminder for so many parents of young kids who are listening to think about framing that difference. So I'm, I'm thrilled yeah. you talked about that. And I think that. they still need us, you know, and it's been fun to see that. And I think if that's that's the, the goal. I remember um, when we were nearing the end of our first kid's high school career – 
Zach and I kind of articulating, okay, what's our big goals? Cause we, we hadn't taught him to change a tire. We hadn't, there was a lot of things we hadn't done yet. And so I was like, okay, what do we want to be sure of? And so we kind of listed it out and it was, we wanted to be sure that they liked God and that they knew God liked them. And we wanted to be sure that they liked us and that they knew we liked them. And I don't mean all along the way. I mean, when they're launching into adulthood, do your kids like you? Do they want to call? Do they want to tell you what's going on? And if not, those are conversations you want to have while they're still in the house. You want to have those conversations. Do they like God? Do they trust God? Do they think he's, they want to be close to him? Do they, that's going to, so many problems are solved if those things are there. And I know for so many people listening, they're like, I've launched kids and they don't like God and they don't like me. And I just want to say that is such a grief. And it is not always because of your behavior. <laughs> many times it is a kid and I, we, we get hard kids. We've had, we've raised some. So sometimes it's just, that is the circumstances or way it goes. So I don't want to act like that's just a given if you do it right. But I think it simplifies goals for people. <laughs> like, okay, are we parenting in such a way that our kids want our God? Are we parenting in such a way that our kids want um, a relationship with us? And, you know, we were strict. Oh, they would say we were really strict, but but somehow they still knew we liked them. So if that's a favorite stage, what would you say was a stage that was more challenging? Oh, gosh, for me, um, toddler years did me in. You know, all these people that are reminiscent about toddler years, oh, you're just going to miss this when it's gone. I knew it when people said it to me. When people said to me, you're going to miss this when it's gone, when it's gone, I, I literally, my head was like, I will not. <laughs> and I have not. And I have not. And I will not. And I think part of it is they were punks. I had really strong-willed children. And so it was me against them every day. And it was, there was no soccer. It was, there was no, you just, it was you and them. And you just had, to, and you wanted them not to die. But after that, you're like, you know, we're doing good to just get maybe one bad piece of food in them. Like it wasn't even, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fight all those battles. And I think why that was true for me and is why adult kids are so fun for me, mm. which is I was just highly relational. And so much of the work of toddlers was training and, and they don't care about relationship. Not then, you know, they, they, they don't care that you tell them how wonderful they are that day. They, they really don't. They, they just, want to be, get what they want. And when they can't get it, they throw a fit. And so that, that, that maneuvering those years was by far the hardest for me. So those of you in those years, God bless you, <laughs> survive. Aww. You have time. I know there's science around like by five, you, whatever you're providing. If you're loving, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a loving parent, so right? Kind. Like you're, you're in the top percentage. You're probably <laughs> not completely screwing up your kid. So if that's the case, then if you're in the toddler years, just know like there's, you have a lot of time to sort the other stuff out. Just make sure that they stay alive. And, <laughs> you know, and I would say too, like in that season, you know, the, I needed outlets. Like I mm. needed to be able to, to get a sitter for a few hours in the middle of the day to do nothing. Um, I needed breaks because it's just so physical in those years. Yes. As you move from little to big, how yeah. did your parenting shift? Because it does move beyond survival. And I love that you said it's not even, I mean, I have toddler age 
nephews. And I think about that all the time. I try so hard to encourage them and speak truth yeah. about who they are. They don't care. You know, they, they just care. want me to play with care. them They're and do listening. Like if you right. say more than three words, they've checked out. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's just not where it is. So <laughs> I would say, um, I remember it changed two notable changes. I'll say one with my son and one with my daughter because they were very different. One with my son was he was a he was a preteen. I would say probably 11 and a half or 12. And we were fighting a lot because so much of the early years, you have to have your thumb on your kid. You've got to make sure they're staying on the rails because you want and that's your job. And that's actually great parenting, right? That you're 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 building rails in front of your kids so that they stay on them because they're not gonna they don't have any frontal lobe to make a good decision. So you're you're making a lot of the decisions for them. And then somewhere in those preteen years, that becomes bad parenting. And I don't <laughs> y'all could tell me what year, but but it we had crossed the point of it being good parenting to bad parenting, but nobody told me. And so we were fighting all the time. And I remember just not liking him. I call it his punk years because I absolutely delight over that boy now. I mean, we are so close. He is so kind to me, so kind. And he really was most of his life. But those years, like we were just at each other's throat. And I remember one day after church, we were sitting beside each other and whatever the sermon had been about prompted him to say, I just feel like, mom, you don't believe I can do it. You don't, you don't think I can make my own way and my own decisions. Now, this is a little boy still. Like, he didn't hit his growth spurt yet. Like, I'm looking at this. He's got bright blonde hair. He's still my little boy. But God was like, you need to let go. And I know that's early, and every kid might be different. But I, I remember sitting next to him, and I said to him, and I started crying, and I said, I want you to know I am, I'm going to give you a chance to fail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not ride you. I'm not going to be so hard on you. And I'm going to trust you. And now, something shifted in our relationship, huge, but my husband still was working on the rails. So it's not like he had no parenting. Okay, I want to be clear. My dad, <laughs> my husband kept writing him. But I became a really safe place for him. I became a friend at that point. And instead of fighting it out, which he and his dad would do for years to come, um, which I needed to do, for years to come. I became his advocate. I became his confidant. I became someone beside him and, and a cheerleader that was cheering him on. Changed everything. We never fought again. We went from all we did was fight to enjoying him. Now, you've got to have a parent, I, th I think, in those years, especially those teen years, that is going to still, the th when the thumb needs to come out, it comes out and it can, it can, so I'm not acting like we didn't parent after that. I just with that certain kid, I had, it was not working anymore. He was getting taller than me. It just wasn't working. That was a game changer. And then we became friends. My daughter and I, it was when she was in ninth grade and she was going through a season of doubt where she was doubting her faith. And it was pretty extreme. She had decided she wasn't a Christian and um, really was walking away from, from God. And she was super candid with me about it, which I'm really grateful for. And it lasted a long time, really. I mean, felt like forever for me. but she let me in and we walked through that together and she was going through a season of being bullied and really hurt by friends. And so she would say, I became her best friend at that time. And I would say everything changed in that moment for two reasons. Number one, I didn't freak out. Now I was freaking out inside, but I didn't freak out. And number two, I, um, I didn't force anything. I let her believe 
that if she walks away from God, that we still loved her. I mean, I didn't let her believe that that would have been true, but it would have grieved us for sure. But we were going to love her no matter what. And, and I think being that for her made her trust me. And I think after that was when we really became good friends. And so I think with every kid, y'all, you know, could speak to this, just there's a moment where you feel like you transition from the authority to a peer and someone that's walking, not peer, that's the wrong word, to a friend. And I think those points were young for those two kids for me. Mm. Thank you. What would you say is some of the best parenting advice you were given along the way? The very best, and we built our whole foundation of parenting on this truth. I think I was pregnant with my son and we had these mentors in our life. And they were very ministry-minded and and kind and had lost one of their children. Just really the kind of people you just can't be around enough. You just love them. They said to us, they said, now listen, when you have this kid, you have a choice. You can put that kid in the middle of your circle, you and your husband holding hands. Picture that. You're building a circle right now. And you can put that kid in the middle of your circle or... And your world's going to revolve around him and your kids and every decision you make will be about them and it'll be all about them. Or you can add them to your circle and you can put the world in the middle and you can get together, care about the world. And I remember thinking that sounds risky because I had known people, we were in ministry at the time, and I had known people that their kids had resented them because they cared more about ministry than them. So I knew to hold attention in my mind about what choice we were making. But we both agreed. We were like, that's us. Like, we're team people. We we saw our marriage as a team. We saw having kids as joining our team. That fit our idea of how we wanted to parent. So we we really, and when I say we foundationally laid this out, every decision we began to make after that was based on that. And to this day, now, the entire time it was happening, it was a giant experiment because it was not how other people were parenting. And I was worried the whole time that we were doing it wrong and this was going to backfire. I mean, you can imagine what I felt when my freshman daughter is walking away with God or walking away from God and my son is making terrible choices and getting suspended. Like, you can imagine that I'm feeling like we did this wrong. And now that they're older, they would say that was that was the most shaping thing about their life, that they grew up aware that the world didn't revolve around them. Mm. And they grew up aware that they were responsible for themselves and that they were part of a unit that is friends and, and going to take the world on together. And we're going to show up for each other. So when mom is on stages in a different state and I'm missing a game, they're like, my mom is on mission and she's doing her job. And today I'm going to go to my sport, soccer, track, and I'm going to do my job. And then when we're home and we're all at track with my daughter, who is the captain and ministering left and right, we are team Kate. The whole team now moves over to Kate and together we are hearing the stories and celebrating and praying for her job. And so it was everybody took their place on the team and they knew they were on mission because they knew they'd been raised like this is how we we live. We live to serve and we live to love and we live to invite way too many people into our house, even on holidays, you know, like that we don't know. So that was just, you know, now it's so funny. I mean, our family is so big now, it's growing and um, 
you know, Kate's like inviting strangers because she just knows that she can. But I'm like, wait, I need to check. Like, it's not just our family. Like, I need to check with these other people. But that's just how they think and how they live. And I would just say that experiment really so far has turned out great. Mm. I keep thinking how much I've loved just your heart. Me it has too. been me it, too. I'm so excited to now get to be around you in person because I feel like we have had this window into who you are and oh. your vulnerability and your courage and your um, tenderness and your thoughtfulness with your kids. I mean, I just yeah, so grateful for mm. you and Thank and you. what you've shared and and I feel like people are going to be so encouraged by this conversation. Well, and how and soon can we get you to Nashville so we can go have a yes. meal together? Let's, <laughs> let's hang out for sure. I, I, um, you know, now it's like we're paying for therapy, you know, I just to be really honest, like, it's not like it worked out perfectly. It's just, but I even think that part, like, that's just part of the culture of the family we wanted to have, which was, we're going to struggle and we're, you're going to all your life. So let's just do it together and let's just do it <laughs> as best we can. And it, and it's been fun because, I mean, there, I can't tell you how many times my kids have walked in and dropped a bomb, a bomb. Like, I just made this choice and I, I'm home and I just wanted you to know. And I'm like, I, I keep a straight face, keep a straight face. <laughs> you know, so it's invited moments that I'm like, golly, this is a hard parenting moment. But I think that was the goal was like, we want to be a team and we want them to feel safe. Well, for the one person who's listening that didn't already love your work, will you tell folks where they can find you? <laughs> sure. Uh, JennyAllen.com, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-L-L-E-N.com. And everything's there, the book, the, um, yeah, it's all there, If Gathering. Thank you for asking such dear questions. That was just amazing. Well, Thank it's, you for Y'all are great. You are so great. honest. We like to end with something fun and food-related. So we move from the substantive yes. to the silly, and we'd love to ask a two-part question. Yes. This feels so fun to ask a Texan, too. I know. I was about to say, I'm I jealous know. even to hear your answers because they're going to be you better You probably than know what I'm going to say. I already <laughs> know what I'm going to say. Keep going. So part one is queso or guac. Part two is what's your favorite taco? Both always. <laughs> yes. Great. We always order both. We have a big family. We can, we can scarf down that. We usually need two of each. And then, as I'm not picking, that's just mean, you know. Queso, right. if I care less about my pants fitting, <laughs> how my brain has become healthier. Yes. Um, the other is what's my favorite taco? Man, you know what I love, and there's only a few places that do this, is when they melt cheese and mm. then put the tortilla down, and the cheese is crunchy and it's part of the shell. Dang, that's good. One was called Urban Taco, and I think it went out of business. Man, it was good. Um, brisket tacos. There's this pork. Uh, you know, I love carnitas, pork carnitas, and there's a great one at Jose. If you ever come to Dallas, I'll take y'all. So I get pork carnitas at Jose quite a bit. Okay. We're gonna put that I think on I might now. go get that tonight. Oh, <laughs> we're so jealous. <laughs> Well, Jenny, what a delight to get to sit and yes. talk with you. It's been so fun. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes to this. Yes. Well, so honored. So grateful for the work y'all are doing and just healing kids. I'm so like my therapist, the kids, my kids therapist. I'm like, I hug them. I, I give them <laughs> things. I'm like, what do you, what do you need? Like, it's just, it's, you don't know. Cause it, mm. there's just some, there's a place where 
parenting can only go so far and you need other parties. You need third parties and you need wisdom and you need training. And it's just such a gift to have. I know so many people that just treasure y'all so deeply because of how you've helped shape shape them and their parenting and their kids. Thank you, Jenny. Thank That's you. very kind. Well, you're shaping the world. So yes, you are grateful to be in it with you. Well, thanks. If you are enjoying the Raising Boys and Girls podcast, click follow on your podcast listening app to subscribe and not miss an episode. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls. 